Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters four and five of Eclipse, titled Nature and Imprint. I'm smushing these two together because honestly, I can't for the life of me think why she created these as two chapters in the first place. She, she just stopped like mid-sentence and then picked up again and finished the scene in another chapter. Like, spoiler alert, It's just one whole big long conversation with Jacob the whole time. I don't know why it's two chapters. Why is she doing this to me? I hate her. So where we left off, they did the trip to Florida. Renee was like, you really like him, don't you? And it's like, yeah, duh, Renee. And then they get back from Florida and she's talking to Jacob on the phone. And then Jacob's showing up to the school parking lot and he's alluding to a tussle. And so then Edward's like, yeah, right. There was a tussle between the wolves and the vampers. And that's basically it. We're up to speed. And that was Monday morning, Monday morning. And she picks up chapter four saying, I was having a bad week. And I was like, a bad week, it's Monday. But I'm, I'm guessing there's some time jumping happening. And she's just musing on the fact that Victoria's still around and she just has to realize that that's the way it's gonna be. Someone's always gonna wanna kill her. She says, graduation was only a few weeks away, but I wondered if I wasn't a little foolish to sit around weak and tasty, waiting for the next disaster. It seemed too dangerous to be human, just begging for trouble. Someone like me shouldn't be human. I'll gladly kill ya. Like, honest freaking Lee. Ugh, this whole, oh, I'm too clumsy to be human business. So you can tell she's pushing the whole turn me now narrative and everyone else is like, nah, you're fine. And she says, Carlisle had said, there are seven of us, Bella. And with Alice on our side, I don't think Victoria's going to catch us off guard. Carlisle. Learn from your mistakes, dude. Alice drops the ball quite frequently. She drops that crystal ball real quick. And also, as was discussed last chapter, her talent doesn't work around werewolves. And we've kind of established that the werewolves are sort of in on hunting down Rosalie. So why would we be relying on shitty Alice to give us a heads up when something's gonna go down? Because she can't see werewolves. So she's obviously gonna miss the confrontation. And then Esme had said to her, apparently, we'd never allow anything to happen to you, sweetheart. You know that. Okay, Esme, do you not forget her birthday party last year? Jasper tried to kill her. We'd never let anything happen to you, except for when she almost died. And then she tells us that apparently Jasper had silently erased all the panic and tension in her body. But then she says, of course, that calm had worn off as soon as Edward and I had walked out of the room. Okay, so she was fleetingly calm at one point. I I don't know why we need to know this. But she pretty much sums up. So the consensus was that I was just supposed to forget that a deranged vampire was stalking me intent on my death. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd forgotten about it until this point. 
You got back from Italy and you just forgot she existed, so why not just continue that on now? And then she's musing about how Edward will turn her, but he has one condition. And she says, ugh, I did know his condition. Edward had promised that he would change me himself whenever I wanted, dot, 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 just as long as I was married to him first. Yet four chapters in and we're still recapping. Ah, this book. Ah, but she sums up and she says, all in all, a very bad week. And today was the worst day in it. Bad week? I don't know when we are in time. It could still be Monday for all I know. All she's done was describe one conversation with the Cullens. and, And that's meant to have happened throughout the whole week. But then she tells us today is the worst day because Edward's not going to be around. He's off hunting mountain lions. So I'm thinking it's a Saturday, maybe? And then she tells us that it's really hard for her with him being gone because it brings back all her abandonment issues. And she says, oh, but I don't want him to know that because if he knew about my abandonment issues, then he'd feel guilty for leaving me and he wouldn't want to leave me. And it's just like, oh, spare me. And so Edward had left a note on her pillow that said, I'll be back so soon. You won't have time to miss me. Look after my heart. I've left it with you. Also, look after your heart. It stopped beating a hundred years ago. Oh, and then she tells us, so now I had a big empty Saturday with nothing but my morning shift at Newton's Olympic Outfitters to distract me. So it's Saturday. Was that that hard to tell us that? And so Alice is still around being a bit of a watchdog. And she says, I'm staying close to home to hunt. I'll only be 15 minutes away if you need me. I'll keep an eye out for trouble, as in she'll use her special powers to keep an eye out for trouble. Or you could just say, hey, Bella, call me, text me, beep me, buzz me, page me. Why does she have to depend on her shitty sight that she sometimes has? But she takes that to mean, don't go to La Push or I'm going to come after you because I'll see. Even though how's she going to see it? Because werewolves are involved, like, ugh, whatever. And so then she says, I did try to look on the bright side. After work, I had plans to help Angela with her announcements. How have these announcements not gone out yet? Angela, you're cutting it pretty fine. Bella made an empty gesture to help you like two weeks ago. And then she went to Florida for a long weekend. And then she came back and she apparently had a conversation with each of the Cullens that lasted a whole week. And now it's Saturday and she still hasn't helped you yet. Angela, I think you should just stop waiting for help and just crank them out. Otherwise you're going to miss the deadline. You're going to get to graduation and no one's going to be there because you haven't announced it in time. And then we have the most depressing scene I think I've ever read. She says, not wanting to be ridiculously early for work. I ate my breakfast slowly, one Cheerio at a time. I'm sorry, but if you're that early, like go watch TV, play on your phone, read a book. She's eating cereal, one Cheerio at a time. Be early go for a drive. Like there's so many things you could be doing instead of just forcing yourself to slow down on a bowl of Cheerios. And then she says, then when I'd washed the dishes, I arranged the magnets on the fridge into a perfect line. Wash the dishes? How many dishes did she use to eat a bowl of Cheerios? Wash the dishes? Surely we're talking about one bowl and one spoon. Like what? Everyone knows if it's a bowl of something, you leave it in the sink to soak overnight. <laughs> Even if it's nothing sticky or gross in the, in the pot or the bowl, you leave it to soak. And then she tells us about these fucking magnets. She says the last two magnets were big round black ones and they didn't want to cooperate with where she wanted to line them up on the fridge. She says their polarities were reversed. So every time she tried to line them up, one of them would jump out of place. And she's like, oh God, this really irritated me. Why couldn't they just play nice? 
uh, you just told us they've got reverse polarities. They're, they're magnets. And I think Stephanie's trying to cram a metaphor in here, but it's just so dumb picturing Bella standing at a fridge fighting with some magnets that I'm not going to buy into it. And she says, stupid with stubbornness, I kept shoving them together as if I was expecting them to suddenly give up. She says, finally, exasperated, I pulled them from the fridge and held them together with two hands. It took a little effort. They were strong enough to put up a fight, but I forced them to coexist side by side. So she's fighting with fridge magnets. This, this girl is not well. And then she starts talking out loud to the fridge magnets and she says, see, that's not horrible, is it? Because she's managed to make them touch. Like, Bella, they're magnets. They're meant to stick other shit to the fridge. They're not meant to stick together. What are are you trying to do here? Why are you lining up magnets on the fridge anyway? How bored are you with your life when Edward isn't around? This is a giant red flag. Like, would it kill her to get a hobby? Go cliff diving. That was fun before. Why don't you go and dive off a cliff? I think we'd all enjoy that. And then she sighs and she's like, fine, I'll put them back on the fridge at a distance. And then she says to them, there's no need to be so inflexible. They're magnets, Bella. They're fucking magnets. Put them down, go to work. So she tells us that she's still early, but then she gets to Newton's. Why did she wake up so early? And so she gets to Newton's and she's caught Mike and his mum in the middle of an argument. And he's saying, you said I could go. And she said, you're not going. You and Tyler can think of something else to do. You are not going to Seattle until the police stop whatever it is that's going on in there. So I love how she's just still dropping hints that there's gang violence in Seattle. She's just really bringing that to the forefront of our minds in every chapter. I mean, if I were Bella and I was about to turn into a newborn vampire, I'd have a lot more questions about the gang violence slash vampire violence that's happening in Seattle, but she doesn't really care. Even though she's hearing all about it, it's the talk of the town, but she doesn't really care. And so then Karen Newton, of course she's a Karen. Oh, she's a total Karen. She says, oh, you're early, Bella. And she's like, yeah, light traffic. And then she has to go and grab her hideous fluorescent orange vest out from under the counter. So I guess... That's her uniform. She has to wear a bright orange vest. Okay, sure. But then Karen, oh, she's such a Karen. She's like, um, yeah, you're, you're really early. I was, uh, I was going to call. I don't think we're expecting a ton of business today. First of all, like, how do you know when it's going to be busy? I'm not too sure. But apparently after Bella ditched them to go fly to Italy, they were sort of like, well, fuck this bitch. Like, we're not going to, trust her to be a good employee. So they started training up this girl called Katie Marshall. And now they are like, well, we've already got Katie on the books. We can't afford to hire both of you. So when it's a slow day, they just shove out Bella, which I think is just hilarious. It's fantastic. Love that. I wouldn't hire her either. But Karen, she's been such a Karen about it. And she says, Mike and I can probably handle things. Mm, Sorry you got up and drove all the way out here. And she's like, oh no, that's, that's totally cool. And Karen's like, oh, okay, great. Thanks, Bella. Also on your way out, do you mind throwing out these flyers in a dumpster? I told the girl who left them here that we'd put them on the counter, but I really don't have the room. Okay, so she's making the girl that she didn't fire, but she's not offering her hours. She said, I know you came out all this way to work a shift, but we're not actually gonna need you. So you're not gonna earn any income today, but on your way out, perform this duty for me. Like, nah, nah, that doesn't fly with me, sis. And also, 
You're just going to throw out this poor woman's flyers? This animal rights activist probably saved up all this money, put a lot of time and effort into printing flyers, designing flyers, and walking them around town. She put in a lot of effort to walk them around town just so that they could be seen, and you promised to put them on your counter. But then you said, oh, now they take up room, get rid of them. Of course they take up room. Didn't you expect that they would take up room when you said yes to letting them be on your counter? And now you're just gonna throw them in the dumpster? Well, you're gonna get someone else you're not paying to throw them in the dumpster? You are being such a Karen right now. You should have just said, no, we don't have room in the first place. And then you're not wasting paper. And this poor bitch who's walking around town doesn't have to go and print more out. Oh, it riles me up this bloody Karen. And so then Bella's like, fine, yeah, I'll dump him in the dumpster. <laughs> but then before she throws them in the dumpster, she happens to look at the flyer. God, it's so contrived. She looks at the flyer and there's a picture of a wolf and it says, save the Olympic wolf. And she doesn't read whether the wolf's in danger or whatever. She's just like, oh my God, that reminds me of Jacob. Like this, this is how contrived things are. A cartoon picture of a wolf howling at the moon made her think of her best friend who's a werewolf. Like, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. And so then she's like, that's it. I know what I'm going to do. Snap decision. I'm going to go visit Jacob. And then she says, Alice couldn't have seen me doing this because I hadn't been planning it. It's a snap decision. That's the key. And so she's just all confident that Alice won't be able to stop her because Alice is like apparently 15 minutes away down the road hunting so she can get to La Push before that time that Alice will be able to catch up with her because Alice now, once she's made this snap decision, will then see the snap decision, even though it's about a werewolf. So she really should have a black spot. I don't know. I don't know, guys. A snap decision, that's the key. But how does she see stock trends then? The logic behind it, it it just drives me crazy. So she starts driving all the way to La Push and she's like, you know, and I'm not going to call Alice so that she doesn't freak out, but I'll call her this afternoon when I get to Angela's house for the graduation announcements. And then I'll tell Edward when he gets back. It's like, okay, you do know that your boyfriend reads minds, right? Like I think Edward's already probably freaking out about it right now currently, but whatever. So she gets to Jacob's house and he's standing there. His face is blank with shock. And he says, Bella? And she says, hey, Jake. And then he says, Bella, where the hell have you been, Loka? Bella. Where the hell have you been, Loka? (laughs) And then he runs over to her and he's like, I can't believe it. And his teeth gleamed bright against his russet skin. Oof, there's that russet skin description again. Take a drink. And he's like, how did you get here? And she's like, I snuck out. And he's like, whoa, that's so awesome, Bella. It's so good to see you. And then they hug. And then he says, welcome back, Bella. And she says, the way he said the words made it sound like welcome home. Okay. You never lived in La Push. La Push is not your home. You hung out in the garage for a month while you made him fix up your motorbike for free. I, I, that does not a home make. And she says they were really feeling really jazzed and energetic. She says, we were too keyed up to sit still in the house. She's used that expression before, keyed up. I've never heard that anywhere else, but nah, she loves it. They were too keyed up. So they're like, all right, let's go walk to the beach. And she says, I had to remind him a few times that my legs weren't 10 feet long. Well, neither are his, neither are his, okay? I don't understand that joke. I think that's a joke, I don't know. And she says, as we walked, I felt myself settling into another version of myself, 
the self I had been with Jacob, a little younger, a little less responsible. Okay, it was like two months ago. It was two months ago. I don't know why she's writing it like it was a whole three years ago. I don't, <sighs> so they get to the beach, they sit down on some rocks and he's like, all right, what's the real tea? What's going on here? Is everything just back to normal the way it was before he left? You forgave him for all of that. And she says, there was nothing to forgive. I think there was. Perhaps the point in time when he broke up with you in the middle of the forest and let you lay there on the ground catatonic in the rain. I mean, maybe he could apologize for that. Maybe he could apologize for taking down every picture of him and memory of him from your house, just stealing all your possessions. I mean, I I would have apologized for that if I've done that to someone, but now she says there was nothing to forgive. She did start the chapter telling us she had abandonment issues, but now there was nothing to forgive. And Jacob says, I wish Sam had taken a picture when he found you that night last September. Okay, very specific. We haven't really been specific with time frames this whole time, but Jacob, he's got a calendar. He knows when things were. He was like, yep, that was last September. And he says, that would be exhibit A, that photo of how depressed and insane you looked. And she says, no one's on trial. And he says, well, maybe somebody should be. And she's like, well, you don't know the real reason that he left. And he's like, okay, tell me then. And she said, his hostility was wearing on her. It hurt to have him angry with me. It reminded, (laughs) this is ridiculous. It reminded me of that bleak afternoon long ago when under orders from Sam, he told me we couldn't be friends. Oh, that afternoon just so long ago. It was what, like six months ago? Tops. Jacob just told us that the abandonment happened in September. So, I mean, how long could it have been? Oh, so long ago. Oh, so, so long ago. I don't know, Bella. You're operating on a different timeline than the rest of us. Time's moving differently for you, bub. And she says, Edward left me because he didn't want me hanging around with vampires. (laughs) And Jacob's like, yeah, that makes sense. But then Jacob also was like, "Uh," but then he came back. So that's not adding up. And she says, well, if you remember correctly, I went and got him. And Jacob's looking at her thinking, what is this bitch doing? She's making logic leaps. She is just doing gymnastics with the truth. And he's like, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to get into it. So he just lets her have it. And he says, okay, yeah, that's true. So what's the real story then? What happened when you left? And so she starts telling him the whole story about Italy. Oh God, and the cliff diving and Alice seeing the vision of it. And then Edward trying to commit suicide by dazzling in the streets of Volterra, which just happens to be having a vampire festival that day. What a dink that was, by the way. And she tells us, I kept it as succinct as possible leaving out anything that wasn't essential. God, that's a nice trick. Could you maybe pass on that tip to Stephanie Meyer and let her tell the story without so many shitty details? God, imagine. I am so jealous of Jacob Black getting to hear that story without all of the excess crap. The one bit of news, the one tidbit that he really did like was hearing that Alice couldn't see them. And he's like, that's great. That's excellent. And then she says his teeth clenched together, goosebumps rose on his arms and nostrils flared when I got to the part about the Volturi. What is she hoping to achieve here? Like I thought the whole point of her visiting him would be like trying to get him to come around to the idea of vampires. Be like, the Cullens aren't that bad. They don't kill people. It's actually quite safe for me to date one of them. And she's like, oh, but by the way, there is this 
huge vampire cult family and they kill these busloads of tourists and they're psychotic and they all have special powers. One of the little girls, she can torture people with her mind. Like, why would you be bringing that up? I thought we were trying to get Jacob on side here. But then she tells us, oh, she didn't go into all the specifics. I just told him that Edward had talked us out of trouble without revealing the promise we'd had to make or the visit we were anticipating. It's like, okay, but you've, you've told him enough already. But isn't that kind of the main point? Like, if you're going to tell him of the existence of the Volturi, shouldn't you then give him the heads up that they might be coming to town to kill her? Like, maybe we need the wolves to help if that were to happen. These are the things he should know. And you're leaving that out. And then she says, now you know the whole story. That's a lie. That's a lie. You just told me that you left shit out. The lie detector determined that was a lie. And so she says, well, now it's your turn. What happened this weekend? Even though she sort of already knows Edward told her everything. And so Jacob just says, oh, the whole same fucking story. But from his perspective, it's, it's thrilling. Maybe this is how she got the idea to do Midnight Sun retelling everything from Edward's perspective, because she was like, oh, this is just the best writing I've ever done. Just recapping from Jacob's perspective what happened on the weekend. Thrilling stuff. And her editor was like, yep, we've got to leave this in. Like, it's in print. She could have just had one line being like, and then Jacob told me what happened on the weekend. Similar to what Edward already told me. End of sentence. But now she goes on and on and on and on about the same thing that we already know. Driving me crazy. And the whole time, she's trying to keep her face composed. And then she says, my nails were digging into my palms with the stress of the story. You know what happens. Everyone's fine. What suspense are you in? And I'm talking pages. We are getting pages. They were hunting Victoria. And then the vampires started hunting Victoria. Someone crossed the line. Someone got angry. They tried to fight, but then they got pulled apart. Like nothing happened. Oh, and then Victoria got away. Like we know, we know. So then that's over. And then Jacob's like, oh, do you realize that if you had just waited for me when you went cliff diving, then when I was there with you, if we cliff dove together, then Alice wouldn't have had that vision. And then Alice wouldn't have told Edward that you died. (laughs) And then Edward wouldn't have went and tried to kill himself. And then you wouldn't have gone to Italy. And then he wouldn't be back and all the vampires wouldn't be back. Like, can you imagine that? And Bella's like, ah, but I want him to be back. So, pointless talking through that hypothetical Jacob. You're not going to get anywhere. Like Jacob, I like Jacob, but at this point, she's got a boyfriend, dude. He's controlling, he's abusive, he's possessive, he's bad news, he's not good for her. But still, like, you're not in with a chance here anymore, guy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And then Jacob starts telling her how... Sam is mad at her and she's like, Sam's mad at me. And he's like, yeah, because he found you when he saw how depressed you were, blah, blah, blah. He thought you would be the one person in the world with as much reason to hate the Cullens as he does. And now he feels a bit betrayed that you would just let them back into your life like they never hurt you. Sam, you've got no dog in this fight. Why are you getting involved? And that was pun intended with the dog in this fight comment. But like, (laughs) Sam's inserting himself in this high school drama now. Like, Sam hates the color. <laughs> Get over it, Sam. And I think she's like, what the fuck's the deal with Sam? Why, why is Sam coming up all of a sudden? Like, who cares about Sam as a character? But Jacob cuts her off to look at an eagle diving down into the ocean or some bullshit. He's like, check out that eagle. And she's like, okay, I, I was bitching about Sam, but all right, let's just look at nature, which is why this chapter's called Nature, by the way. God, what a ridiculous, ridiculous chapter title. And he says, look, you see it everywhere. Nature taking its course, hunter and prey, the endless cycle of life and death. Okay, David Attenborough, what is he doing? Is he doing a nature documentary right now? And she's like, what the fuck is he talking to me about nature for? And then he's like, look, you don't see that fish trying to plant a kiss on the eagle. You never see that. And she's like, okay, but... Uh, it's hard to tell what a fish is thinking. Eagles are good looking birds, you know? And he's like, what? Um, is that what it comes down to? Just being good looking or not? And she's like, what? And he's like, what? (sighs) It's just, it's just a lot of that dialogue. Honestly, I think what Jacob's getting at is don't go and date an eagle if you're a fish. And he's saying, Bella, you're a fish. Edward's the eagle. You shouldn't be dating other species. That's what he's saying. It sounds kind of like that thing from like episode one of Friends. Do you guys remember episode one of Friends? Rachel comes in, she's wearing the wedding dress. She's just broken off her wedding and she's on the phone with her dad later that day. And her dad's like, what the hell, Rachel? We just paid for this big wedding. And she says, daddy, it's like, everyone always tells me you're a shoe. You're a shoe, you're a shoe, you're a shoe. And she says, but what if I don't want to be a shoe? What if I want to be a hat? And then she says, no, I don't want you to buy me a hat, daddy. It's a metaphor. You're a shoe, you're a shoe, you're a shoe. And then today I just stopped and I said, what if I don't want to be a shoe? What if I want to be a, a purse, you know, or, 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 or a hat? No, I don't want you to buy me a hat. I'm saying that I am a hat. It's a metaphor, daddy. So I think Jacob's trying with the metaphors here and she's just like, fish are fun. She's not picking it up because she's an idiot. She's like, eagles are good looking birds. And Jacob's like, oh, geez, I really got to dumb it down for you, don't I? He says, I think the best place to start would be to look within your own species. That usually works. 
And she says, well, that sucks. Guess I'll just be stuck with Mike Newton after all, which is oh, another poor diss on Mike. Poor Mike, hashtag team Mike. If you are actually in the market for some team Mike merchandise, you can go to breakingdownbadbooks.com, by the way, just, just click on the merchandise tab and you might see some uh, team Mike merch there. Just that's a hot tip. Anyway, so Jacob's like, oh, why does it have to be Mike? I'm human too. And she's like, you're not human. <sighs> this again. And Jacob says, I didn't choose this. And she says, do you think Edward did? And she's like, you guys are the same. And he's like, it's not the same. And just the dialogue is just the worst dialogue I've ever read in my whole entire life. And Jacob says the Cullens shouldn't exist. Their existence goes against nature. And she's like, uh, speaking of unnatural, like pot calling the kettle. And he's like, Bella, what I am was born in me. It's part of who I am, who my family is, who we all are as a tribe. It's the reason we're still here. And he says, besides that, I'm still human. And then she just looks at Jake thinking about how much she loves him and she wants to be friends with him. And then the chapter just ends. Like it just ends. She's just thinking about like, oh, I need to help him. His pain hurts me. Jacob had become a part of me and there was no changing that now. End of chapter. And then she just starts the next chapter with her saying, are you okay, Jake? Charlie said you were having a bad time. So why, why are we in a different chapter all of a sudden? It's the same moment. Oh, but who cares? So this chapter is called Imprint and it's, it's just a continuation of the last chapter as I've griped about at length, but it does really shit me. So he's like, yeah, I'm not too bad. And she's like, well, fill me in on the goss. What's been happening? And so he mentions that Quill has now turned and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, well, actually Quill's not looking for any pity. Just the opposite. He's jazzed, totally thrilled. And she's like, that made no sense to me. All the other wolves had been so depressed at the idea of their friend sharing their fate. Okay, Jacob was just telling us how being a werewolf was like a part of him, a part of his tribe, a part of his family. And now they're all just acting like it's a shit thing. (laughs) Pick a lane, guys. You can't just end a chapter with him saying how good it is being a werewolf and then be like, oh no, we're werewolves. And she says, oh my God, Quill likes it. And he says, honestly, most of them do. There are definitely good sides to this, the speed, the freedom, the strength, the sense of family. But Sam and I are the only ones who ever felt really bitter. Okay, you you were just telling me how good it is, but okay. And she says, well, what's the deal with Sam? What's his problem? And Jacob's like, oh, well, that's a long story. And she's like, well, I just told you a long story. (sighs) Did she ever, did she ever? At least this story's new to us. But then Jacob makes a jab at the Collins' expense and she's like, oh my God, stop it. And he's like, what? They're bloodsuckers. And she's like, it makes me crazy that you two are always so ready to kill each other. Why can't you both just be civilized? And she says, at least he can be a grown up about this, meaning Edward. And it's like, "Uh, he forbids you from seeing your best friend. I don't know how that's being a grown up. And so then we we get, get over that little fight that they had to go back to the story of Sam. She's always like, really non-linear in her storytelling, isn't she? They just jump around from crap to crap. She's like, oh, here's this story about Sam. And then we have an interlude of them fighting about how Edward's a grown up. And then we go back to the story of Sam. Can we not be more streamlined, Steph? So he starts telling us about how Sam had it so much harder than everyone because he was the first one. He was alone and he didn't have anyone to tell him what was happening. His grandfather died before he was born and his father was never around. And there was no one there to recognize the signs. The first time he phased, he thought he was going insane. Leah Clearwater, Harry Clearwater's daughter, rest in peace. Her and Sam were like high school sweethearts. 
and she was stressed because he disappeared. There were forest rangers searching for him. He came back, but then there was rumours that he was up to no good. And then Quill's grandfather happened to run into him and they shook hands and he was like, whoa, body heat. And he realised that he was a werewolf. I don't know why there was no one around to notice the signs, but then apparently old Quill was just wandering around and, and, and ran into him and said, oh, that's a werewolf. And so then old Quill went up to two other old bastards who had seen their grandparents be werewolves. And they were like, oh yeah, Sam, you're a werewolf. So uh, why was no one keeping tabs on the young folk in the tribe? Like I, I would have thought there'd be a watcher type situation, but nah, oh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so Quill's granddad went to the, to the elders. So the elders explained what was going on to Sam. So finally the elders came out of the woodwork. They gave him the rundown and then they were like, oh, oh, when some of these other younger boys start going through puberty, then they might turn into wolves. But for now, it's just you, old mate. And then we get another conversation detour. Just tell us the freaking story. But no, she makes a comment being like, I'll grow up, Jacob, because he said something glib. And then he says, well, I actually can't grow up. And she says, you can't grow up. And then she loses it. Bella Swan flies off the handle. She says, I felt blood on my face, tears. Tears of rage filled my eyes. My teeth mashed together with an audible grinding sound. And he's like, ah, Bella, what the hell's wrong? And she's like, you are not aging. And then she's like, am I the only one who has to get old? I get older every stinking day. Damn it. What kind of world is this? Where's the justice? And it's like, okay, Bella, take a fucking chill pill. You're aging. Yeah, so's everyone else on the fucking earth. That's not a supernatural being. She is just so pressed about growing a day older. Welcome to everybody else's life, Bella. Why are you special? Get your head out of your ass. She's having a full on meltdown because she's 18 years old and Jacob stopped aging and Edward stopped aging and she is just freaking the fuck out like she's gonna be an 80 year old tomorrow. Guess what? That's not how time works, Bella. You're 18 today, you'll be 18 tomorrow. It'll be a whole another year before you're 19 and then it'll be a whole another year before you're 20. You're not gonna have fucking wrinkles straight away. And she's freaking the fuck out. She's freaking out and I hate her. Guts, I'm going to take a moment. Ooh, okay, okay. So she is just, as I said, freaking out. She's saying it's unfair. And Jacob's like, take it easy, Bella. Like, oh God, seriously, Bella. And he says, I will get older someday when we get enough control to quit and stop phasing for a solid length of time. That's when my aging will start again. Like, obviously, what did she think happened to the, to the old pack? Why are they still not hanging around as young kids then, Bella? Like, obviously they aged. Or did you think they all moved? You think they all went to Seattle? And he says, anyway, I'm already older than you, physically at least. And he's like, look at me, Bells. Do I look 16? And she's like, nah, you don't actually. And he says, that's because we reach full growth inside of a few months when the werewolf gene, my God, the gene, gets triggered. It's one hell of a growth spurt. Physically, I'm probably 25 or something. So there's no need for you to freak out about being too old for me, at least for another seven years. So he's, he's a 16 year old, a 16 and a half year old in a 25 year old's body. Like, so that makes it better for me to have a physical crush on him, I guess. But like, I don't know if that's how puberty works. 
But whatever. So apparently he's 25. If if that helps anyone out there writing fan fiction about Jacob, go with the gods. Like, good. Let's move on. He's a 25-year-old. <laughs> I won't hear otherwise. And then Jacob's like, ah, so do you want to maybe circle back to the Sam story that I was halfway through? And she says, sorry, age is a touchy subject for me. That hit a nerve. Obviously, you had a full on meltdown. And Jacob just presses on. God bless him. He's just powering through. I wonder what he had planned for the day, by the way. His day's just been derailed because Bella Swan decided to visit. He probably had shit to do. He was probably going to catch up on laundry. He might have been playing a video game. He might have been halfway through a good book. A good book. I wonder what that's like. And now Bella just rocked up. And his day's been derailed. Oh, he's a very patient 25-year-old man. And Bella prompts him. She's like, okay, so why does Sam hate them so much though? And he says, well, that's the weird part. So Sam knew what was going on and everything almost got back to normal. Well, not really normal, but better. But he couldn't tell his girlfriend Leah because they're not supposed to tell people who don't need to know. And it wasn't really safe for him to be around her. But then her cousin, Emily came down to the res for a visit and Bella gasped. She's like, oh my God, Emily and Leah are cousins. That's fucked up. How could Emily snake Leah like that and start dating her cousin's boyfriend? That's crazy. And how could Sam do that? And Jacob's like, well, don't judge him just yet. Did anyone ever tell you dot, dot, dot. Have you ever heard of imprinting? And here we go, imprinting. But also like, who would have told her that, Jacob? How would she know about imprinting? Did anyone ever tell you? Who? Who would have told her anything, mate? And so Jacob tells us about imprinting. He says, it's one of the bizarre things we have to deal with. It doesn't happen to everyone. In fact, it's the rare exception, not the rule. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I bet every werewolf in this book will have imprinted by the end of Breaking Dawn. That's my prediction. He tells us Sam did love Leah, but when he saw Emily, that didn't matter anymore. Sometimes we don't know exactly why we find our mates that way our soulmates. And she's like, love at first sight. And she's like snickering. And it's like, you legit fell in love with Edward at first sight. Like, why are you snickering? And then Jacob's not laughing. And she's like, oh my God, you're serious. And he's like, yeah, I am serious. Thanks for laughing at imprinting. You won't be laughing when he imprints on your unborn daughter. I'll tell you that much. He says, you wanted to know what happened to Sam to make him hate the vampires for changing him to make him hate himself. And that's what happened. He broke Leah's heart. He went back on every promise he'd ever made her. Every day he has to see the accusation in her eyes and know that she's right. I don't know if that's specifically the Cullen's fault, but okay, go off, Sam. And then Bella says, well, how did Emily deal with this if she was so close to Leah? And she thinks Sam and Emily were utterly right together. Two puzzle pieces shaped for each other exactly. Okay, you met them once. You went into the kitchen, Emily was preparing some breakfast muffins and then Sam came and ate a muffin and you saw them pash and he kissed her scar that you were so hideously repulsed by. Like, where did you get these vibes from? The puzzle piece vibes, like really, really? Maybe sit down to them at a dinner party and then you'll know if they're a perfect match. Maybe go with them on a holiday somewhere because that's when you can tell if a couple's gonna make it when they're on vacay. Just sitting around eating breakfast muffins. That's not how you know if they're gonna last, I'm sorry. So Jacob tells us that Emily was really angry in the beginning that she was getting imprinted on. And then, oh my God, get this. But it's hard to resist that level of commitment and adoration. Hoo boy. Hoo boy. Okay. It's hard to resist that level of commitment and adoration. Imprinting is the most fucked up thing 
that Stephanie Meyer has ever come up with. Like, where did she pull that one from? Because that is just messed up. And then they discuss about how Emily got a face mauled. And he says, well, weirdly enough, that was sort of how they resolved things. What? Sam was so horrified, so sickened by himself, so full of hate for what he'd done, he would have thrown himself under a bus if it would have made her feel better. He might have anyway, just to escape what he'd done. He was shattered. Then somehow she was the one comforting him. And after that, dot, dot, dot. So that's, that's how he won her over by threatening suicide until she started comforting him. That, oof, oof, what a rocky start to a relationship. Oof, that's, oof, jeez. I've heard of like trying to be friends with someone before you date them, but this is just, ah, that's completely different. Don't really know if Emily is a fully fledged, uh, fleshed out character, is she? Like, we're still a bit unclear on her motivations. Somehow, her getting mauled was uh, how they resolved the tension between him ditching her cousin to be with her. What? Like, let's just get this straight from Emily's point of view here. So Emily, she's just going to visit her cousin. La-da-dee, la-da-da, la-da-dee, la-da-da. She's like, oh, hey, cousin Leah, how you going? How's your boyfriend? And then the creepy boyfriend looks at you and all of a sudden he's making goo-goo eyes. And now you're getting all of this unwanted attention from your cousin's boyfriend. Surely you're in an awkward situation there. And Leah's probably pissed at you, even though she shouldn't be. She should just be pissed at Sam. But there's tension there between you and your cousin. I'm sure of it. So he's ruined your relationship with the cousin, but he doesn't care because he's super into you. So he just starts focusing all of his energy and attention on you. And I imagine you'd be a bit like, ugh, back off. And then he rips your face apart and he starts guilt tripping over it. And then you're like, okay, I love him. I love him. He ripped my face off. Ruined my relationship with my cousin, but I love him. I don't, I, I don't see the connection between getting mauled and then falling in love with your predator. I, I don't understand it. But this is the world of Stephanie Meyer, so we're just going to have to roll with it. And Bella, she just accepts it. She's like, yep, makes sense to me. And she says, poor Emily, poor Sam, poor Leah. And Jacob's like, yeah, Leah got the worst end of the stick. Well, I don't, Leah didn't get mauled, so maybe Leah got off easy. But she puts on a brave face. She's going to be a bridesmaid. Now, that, okay, now I'm off Emily. Emily, you are the biggest bitch. You steal your cousin's boyfriend. Well, that's what Leah would say it like. You steal your cousin's boyfriend and then you make her be a bridesmaid when you're marrying her ex. Not okay. Not okay. You can invite her and she can not attend, but to make her stand up the front in a shitty dress and have to hold a bouquet and like plan a, a bachelorette party for you. That's too damn much. You've gone too far, Emily. Maybe you deserve having that big old scarred face because you're ugly on the inside. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this, this whole dynamic, it just is very confusing and confronting. And then of course, Fella, being the most self-involved, selfish, self-centered character, she says, so did that, uh, did that happen to you? Uh, this love at first sight thing? And he says, no, Sam and Jared are the only ones. Okay, so we've got two out of the six pack, but apparently it's super rare, but we've already got Jared as well, who's imprinted on someone's. It's super rare, it's super rare, but yeah, Jared imprinted on some bitch at school. And now she's relieved because she'd only asked that question to see if he'd imprinted on her because it's all about her. And then finally, she, she stops thinking about herself and she says, okay, what's the deal with Jared then? And he says, yeah, no drama. 
Peter sat next to a girl at school every day, never took any notice of her. But then one day it all changed and he saw her and never looked away. And she had a crush on him, so she was thrilled. So happily ever after. And apparently she had been writing Jared's last name as her own in all of her diaries. And she's like, well, Jared shouldn't have told you that. That's actually really rude to share that information with people. Like, okay, Bella. She was just prying and prying and trying to get all the dirt on Sam and Emily and Leah and that whole love triangle. And as soon as he shares a factoid about Jared's imprintee, she's like, that's too far. That's too far. I don't need to know that information. And Jacob says, well, Jared didn't tell us that on purpose. And she says, oh yeah, you can hear each other's thoughts, but only when you're wolves, right? Like, okay. Thanks for the previously on disguised as a bit of dialogue. Just when you think you're getting normal dialogues, bam, it's a recap. And then they're talking about the mind reading. Oh, and he's like, we hate it. It's awful. No privacy, no secrets. Everything you're ashamed of laid out for everyone to see. And then he shuddered. Again, you're not selling me on the whole your human thing that you were selling me on last chapter. Maybe that's why she made this into two chapters because he had one wildly different opinion in chapter four and now he's changed it in chapter five. Maybe, maybe that's why she split it up because there's no consistency. And then Jacob mentions that it's good when they're trying to coordinate an attack. Oh, and she flinches because she's thinking about Victoria going up against Emmett and Jasper. And oh God, oh God, get over it, Bella. And then they talk about how Edward can read minds, but he can't read Bella's mind. Chapter five and we're getting a recap. Like, I can't believe it. And then they're sitting there in silence, just thrilling, thrilling silence, looking at the nature. Even though last chapter was called nature, this chapter's called something different. So I don't know why Stephanie's given a three paragraph length description of all the natural surroundings, but uh, let's move on. And then they're reminiscing about the time they went to the movies and Mike Newton puked all over everything. Poor Mike Newton. Justice for Mike Newton. He is just getting chat on this whole time. And he's the only one working hard down at Newton's Olympic Outfitters. He's doing a hard day's work in those horrible orange vests, putting up with his Karen of a mum, and he's not getting any thanks for it. Poor Mike. Justice for Mike. And they're laughing about the movie date, just laughing, laughing, yucking it up. And he says, I miss that the way it used to be so easy, uncomplicated. I'm glad I've got a good memory. And she says, well, about that memory, by the way, what were you doing at Edward the other day? That nasty little trick thinking about things. And he says, yes, I was thinking about how depressed and distraught and shit you looked when you first rocked up to my farmhouse. And because I've seen Sam's mind, I could conjure up the image of you when Sam found you after you got dumped in the forest. He says, it's hard for me to remember how sad you were and it wasn't my fault. So I figured it would be harder for him. And I thought he ought to get a look at what he'd done. Sound reasoning. I'm on your side, Jacob. Totally agree. And she's like, Jacob Black, don't you ever do that again. Promise me you won't. She says, so help me, Jake. Like, what are you going to do, Bells? What are you going to do? And she's like smacking him. And it's like, this is a supernatural being. Like you've established that he's a werewolf and he can fight vampires. You've established that, but you're like swatting him. Like he's going to be afraid of you. What are you going to do, Bells? And he's like, all right, all right. I won't do it to Edward again. I promise. And she's like, thanks, Jake. (laughs) So stand down, Bells. Don't have to bring out the big guns. Oh, and we're finally finishing the chat. She says, actually, I think I need to go. Angela Weber is expecting me. And I know Alice is worried. I don't want to upset her too much. And he says, oh, I don't know when I'll see you again. And she says, I'll come back next time he's away. Red flag. Uh, Yeah, you shouldn't have to wait until your boyfriend's out of town hunting mountain lions to go and see your best friend, your platonic best friend. That's a bad sign. And Jacob's like, okay. 
And she says, I don't care who's a werewolf, who's a vampire, that's irrelevant. You're Jacob, he's Edward, and I'm Bella, and nothing else matters. And Jacob's like, okay, but like, I am a werewolf, and he is a vampire, so it's not that easy. And she says, and I'm a Virgo. But um, bum just really hilarious. And then she says, I've missed you, Jake. And he says, me too. And she says, oh, I'll come back as soon as I can. As soon as her boyfriend lets her. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh God, what a slog. What a slog. Can anyone write in and tell me why that was two chapters? Like, ugh, beats me, guys. Well, but hopefully that was the last of the recapping. We'll see. Next chapter's called Switzerland. Oh, so I bet that's another forced metaphor. Oh, God, I can't wait for that. I'll see you guys next week to recap Switzerland. And in the meantime, you can head over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books because we're starting insurgent this week. Pew, 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 pew. Just finished looking at Fifty Shades Darker. The recap of the movie is out now. And yep, this Friday, episode one, looking at the start of insurgent. Cannot wait. And in the meantime, if you have any burning opinions you want shared, go to speakpipe.com slash breaking down bad books or hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Listen to the outro at the end if you don't know my socials. I'm going to call it. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 